Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The reality is, the fact is, you're not that good. Just trying to build you up, my people. And you really don't know that much stuff. But don't you remember what Jesus said? When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to bring all things to your remembrance. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that's really giving Peter all of these verses and his ability to be able to communicate the word of God. I mean, God can use anyone. God can fill anyone and you can begin to speak forth the word of God. I mean, remember in the Old Testament, God spoke through a donkey. And and here in the New Testament, he he does, he can as well. And he does every Sunday. (laughs) Man, it's the Holy Spirit, don't you see? Remember I told you in the beginning, this book is a book about the Holy Spirit. It should be titled, The Acts of the Spirit. So Peter is speaking and the Holy Spirit is giving him what to say. But you should also note this, that Peter spent time with Jesus, that Peter listened to the words of Jesus. And so in that moment that that Peter needed to quote the scriptures and recall the scriptures, the Holy Spirit could bring back all things to remembrance. You see, saints, the important thing is to read your Bible. That's why I tell you to read your Bible, even if you don't understand it. Nowhere in the scriptures does it tell us that as we read the scriptures, we're going to understand everything in the Bible. You don't read the Bible that you'd understand everything in it. You read the Bible because it's food. I don't understand how broccoli gives me nutrition. But I eat it anyway. And I like it. I don't understand how ice cream gives me nutrition. But I eat it anyway, because I like it. We don't understand a lot of things. You understand? We're, we're to read the Word of God and get the Word of God in you, so that in those moments where it's time to witness, it's time to share, it's time to communicate God's Word, you have something to draw upon. The Holy Spirit has something to draw upon. The Holy Spirit can bring those things back to remember. That's why you, you'll say, I didn't even know I knew that. Because some time ago, maybe years ago, maybe in some Bible study, in some church service, you heard the word, the Holy Spirit took the seed of the word of God and planted it and tucked it away in your heart. And then when it was time to share the word with someone, the Holy Spirit has something to draw on. See, a lot of times people, listen, a lot of times people don't want to share their faith and they're afraid to share their faith because they don't know the way to spend time in the word. So, so you're afraid to share your faith because, you know, and the Holy Spirit can't bring anything to remembrance because you ain't got nothing up there. 
See, you got to put something in. So the Holy Spirit can draw. Now, can he give you a verse you never knew before? Well, yeah, of course. But look, understanding God's word is, is, is not going to happen by reverse osmosis. You know, you don't put your Bible under your pillow and just go to sleep. Hoping that it sinks in and absorbs. No, you got to read it. And when you read it and you hear the words of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit can bring those things to remembrance. Amen, saints? That's what happened with Peter. And so Peter, he stood up and he said, fellas, these guys aren't drunk, but this is what or this is that. Notice Peter is giving them, look at verse verse, um, 16 again. Look at verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter is giving them, listen closely, a biblical explanation for what they are seeing. He's giving them a biblical explanation. Now, I like that because we always need to be able to give a biblical explanation for anything that's done in the church corporately or anything that's done in your life personally. You need to be able to give a biblical explanation for it. Why are you doing that in church? Why does that happen in your church? Because we need to be able to go to the Word and say, hey, this is that. That's why. And today, unfortunately, there is much going on in the church where we cannot say, this is that. Man, the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap today. Have have you noticed that? Everything's done in the name of the Spirit. We've got all kinds of things going on in the church in the name of the Spirit. And you cannot look at these things that's going on in the church today and and say, this is that. You know, we've we've, we've got everything going on there. You know, we've got holy laughter. I don't know if you heard of holy laughter. And and if not, good, because it's sad. It's not funny. Holy laughter or being drunk in the Spirit. We've talked about this at Calvary. There's a guy by the name of Rodney Howard Brown. And Rodney Howard Brown, he calls himself the Holy Ghost bartender. And he says that you are to come up to the bar of the Holy Spirit and get a drink and get drunk. It's this whole Brownsville revival thing. And you guys know I am not one to blast people, name names. I don't care anything for that. But when I hear about something that's going on in the church that is damaging the body of Christ or is heretical, I have a responsibility to tell you. Holy laughter is sad. And you certainly cannot find holy laughter in the scriptures. You can't say this is that. That's not in the Bible. People in the church today are barking in the spirit, clucking like chickens. Gold dust, people are saying, are descending from the sky and filling people's teeth. All in the name of the spirit. Slain in the spirit. All of these things, you cannot go to the scriptures and find scriptural support for them. Well, let me take that back. Slain in the spirit, perhaps. We'll get to it. Acts chapter 5. There's a couple, a husband and wife team. (laughs) Remember? Ananias and Sapphira. Remember? They lied to the Holy Spirit. What happened? 
Notice they weren't slain in the Spirit. They were slain by the Spirit. The Spirit killed them dead. Yeah, that's right, killed. But none of these things are we able to go to the Scriptures and say, this is that. All of these things going on in the church, and that's why people mock the church. I remember some years ago, it was a while ago, I said, I was looking at this guy on TV. I won't tell you who he is, but I'm, I'm looking at TV, and, and this is craziness. I mean, this was years ago, Elvira and I was watching TV. I, this is just crazy stuff going on. And I'm laughing. I mean, they're, they're, in this church, it was just crazy. I'm, I'm laughing. I'm cracking up. I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I said, Elvira says, why are you laughing? You don't know. It could be the spirit. You don't know. And, and, and I said, sweetie, if that's the spirit, I don't want nothing to do with that. And it turns out some years later, the guy was uncovered and 2020 did a report and it was awful because it wasn't the spirit. You ever see The Leap of Faith with Steve Martin? Oh, I forgot. Y'all don't watch movies. Y'all holy. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't even brought that up. See that all this stuff in the name of the spirit. You cannot say this is that. We need to be able to say, saints, in the church corporately and in your life personally. This is that. How come you guys do this? Because the word says that. Why do you clap your hands in church? Because the word says that. And why do you play drums in church? Y'all got drums in your church? Why? Because the Bible says, praise the Lord on the timbrel. And that's the drum. On the lyre. That's the guitar. Of course, it doesn't say anything about keyboard. I don't know, Ted, you're out of work, man. I don't... You're done. <laughs> we got to be able to say this is that. So Peter says, fellas, this is what Joel chapter 2 prophesied. The spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh and old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. There will be signs and wonders in those days. Blood, fire, smoke, Sun goes dark, moon turns to blood before, notice in your text, the coming of the day of the Lord. Now, you might want to write in your Bibles Matthew chapter 24 because Jesus gave these same end time signs in Matthew chapter 24. So Joel says, in that day, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, this is very, very important. Listen to me and listen closely. Joel chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2, Peter is quoting from Joel 2, verse 28 through 32. And Joel is talking about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord in the Bible is another name for the tribulation. It's another title. So during the tribulation, now you know that if you've been here around Calvary, the church has already been raptured up. And God's judgment has come down during the tribulation. Understand, and this is very important, maybe you want to write this down. Pentecost is not, now listen closely, is not the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Spirit of God coming down, the people are being speaking in tongues, and all of these signs and wonders here. This is not, not the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. Pentecost is the beginning. 
Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it takes us through the church age, through the rapture of the church, and through the tribulation into the second coming and the millennial reign of Christ. All of this period is what Joel calls is the filling of the Spirit, is the outpouring of the Spirit. It's a period of time, not just an event. Thus, we are living in this time of Pentecost, where we are filled with the Spirit of God. That's why when every person calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved and they shall be filled. Because we're talking about a period of time. Now between, listen, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the millennial kingdom is a period known as whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. From the day the Spirit came down until the thousand year reign of Christ begins or ends actually, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why Joel and Peter here quoting talks about the signs in the earth beneath and the blood and the fire and the vapor and the smoke and the sun being turned to blood. Those are all signs of or 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 events that happen during the tribulation. Very important to note that we're talking about that 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 in our text here. This is not the fulfillment of Pentecost. It's actually the beginning of Pentecost. That's what Peter said all of this meant. Point number two, if you're still with me, why it happened. Look at verse 22 through 36. We're going to read quite a bit of text here in verse 22 through 36. Men of Israel, Peter says, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified him, and you've put him to death, whom God raised up in verse 24, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by death. For David says in verse 25 concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, in 20, verse 29, let me speak freely to you of the patriot, patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, did you know David was a prophet? Look at that, not only a king, but he's also a prophet. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he will raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He foreseeing this, David, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, 
But he says of himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, in verse 36, let all those, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. I get the impression Peter's like, you did it. You crucified both Lord and Christ. Now stop right there. Didn't I tell you, isn't it amazing to hear Peter preaching? Remember, ignorant, not learned, uneducated. And he's just quoting scripture and just sharing the word and going over the history of Israel and all that has happened. Very familiar with David, very familiar with scripture. I find that to be amazing. Now we don't know, keep in mind, we don't know how many thousands of people were gathered to hear this sermon. But we do want to notice that Peter begins in his sermon, Peter begins to lead them on a blood-stained path to Calvary. Did you notice Peter's message is filled with Jesus? I love that. Now listen, if you're a Bible student, we're not going to take every one of these verses and and deal with them as we normally do. But just kind of let me give you kind of a high-level view of what we just read. If you're a Bible student, Peter lays down six doctrines of Christology. Six. We'll notice, first of all, in verse 22, he talks about the incarnation. Jesus of Nazareth, in verse 22, a man attested by God. The incarnation, meaning God became flesh. And then we'll notice authentication in verse 22 again. Jesus was verified with miracles, signs, and wonders, authentication. And then in verse 23, we'll talk about, you'll see the crucifixion. In verse 23, you have taken him and you've nailed him to the cross. And then in verse 24, verse 31, in verse 32, Peter talks about the resurrection God raised Jesus, verse 24, 31, and 32, the resurrection. And then the ascension. Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God. We'll find that in verse 33. And then finally, glorification. He is both Lord and Christ in verse 36. The incarnation, six doctrines, important teaching. You alter these teachings you alter the truth of the gospel. You alter these teachings. You alter salvation to mankind. These are doctrines. These are not negotiable. You cannot change these. The Bible is very, very clear about these. Six doctrines of Christology. Incarnation, authentication, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and glorification. Very important. Now look at verse 23 again. In your Bibles, I want to bring your attention to just a few of these verses. Look at verse 23 in your Bibles. This verse, in verse 23, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Notice him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You've taken by lawless hands. You have taken by lawless hands. And you've crucified and put to death. This verse is very, very troubling. Give me your attention. This verse is very, very troubling for some people. Why? Because this verse teaches us the sovereignty of God, and the responsibility of man. 
the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Notice Peter says it was God's predetermined foreknowledge that kills Jesus, that killed Jesus. And then he says, you crucified him. So we see the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. And people have trouble with this verse. They say, did God kill Jesus or did man kill Jesus? Was it human or was it divine? Listen, it was both. It was both. There's so much in the Bible that our little pea brains can't handle, can't understand, and can't figure out. I cannot figure out, listen, people, I've heard sermons on it, and, and I think anything short of, you know, talking about the responsibility of man, the sovereignty of God, anything short of, listen, I don't understand the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man working simultaneously at the same time. Anything short of that is, is, is foolishness. Get over it. There are certain things that we are not going to understand about God. Someone once said, if God were small enough for me to figure out, he wouldn't be big enough to worship. Isn't that true? There are certain things that we will never understand about the scriptures. All I know is God's word is right. All I know is God is sovereign. And at the same time, man is responsible. So Peter said, everything was according to plan, but you crucified him and put him to death. And then notice in verse 24, again in your Bibles, look at it, whom God raised up from the dead. Now that's very, very interesting because the Bible is clear. God raised Jesus from the dead. Romans chapter 8 tells us the spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. And then John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, Jesus said, I will raise up again. So in the Bible says that God, the father raised Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus and Jesus raised himself. Talk about things you can't figure out. I just want to bring it up to clear things up. That's all. I'm just trying to clear it up. Well, there's many things that we don't, we don't understand. You know, people are always trying to accuse someone of crucifying Jesus. You know, the question is, you know, people are like, you know, well, who crucified Jesus? Was it the Jews? Was, who's guilty? Was it the priests? Was it Judas Iscariot? Was it the Romans? Was it Pilate? Who killed Jesus? It's almost like the question, you know, who shot J.R.? Who killed Jesus? You know, honestly, the truth is, every single person in this room and every single person throughout all time and eternity killed Jesus. Why? Because our sin, sin put Jesus on the cross. Love held him there. Sin put him there. And because of the sin, for all men, for all time, for all eternity, put Jesus on the cross, that makes us all responsible. Who killed Jesus? We did. We all did. You know, it makes me think of that old Negro spiritual. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? You know that song? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, sometimes it causes me, here's my favorite part, to tremble. (laughs) Say it. Tremble. Say it again. 
tremble. You got to get your beat. Yeah, were you there when they crucified? Yeah, you were. Your sin, my sin, crucified the Lord. John Stott said, before we can see the cross as something done for us, we must see it as something done by us. And that's very true. Now, let me give you just again a high-level view uh, and a summary, if you will, of verses 22 through 36. Here, here's the summary. Peter gives them three proofs that Jesus is the Messiah and the Lord. Number one, he says, he works miracles because of his works and because of his miracles. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. Secondly, because of the resurrection. And then thirdly, because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter is using three things to prove that Jesus is the Messiah and that they should make him their Lord. Number one, he works miracles. Don't you remember? Jesus was with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, Jesus, we saw your works and we know that you are God. John 14, 11, Jesus said, believe me for the works that I do. So Jesus' works and miracles testified to who he was. Number two, the resurrection of Jesus. Peter is using, now you want to notice in verse 25, Peter is quoting from Psalm 16. He's using Psalm 16 to show the death and the burial and the resurrection was all a part of God's plan from the beginning and that God was going to raise Jesus up. Peter says, look guys, here's David's tomb. It was a tourist attraction then, and by the way, it's still a tourist attraction today. Peter says, David died, and he was buried. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.